Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun informal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite, designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. A few weeks ago, I decided that I was going to delete Facebook, the app, from my phone. And, you know, a lot of people make those proclamations and they say I'm getting off of Facebook and some stay off, some stay on. So it wasn't that. It was just I thought, you know, it was too distracting and I was trying to get some work done. And I re- and I have Instagram still on my phone and I have Twitter still on my phone and I still have LinkedIn on my phone. And I'm very comfortable. I mean, if I never looked at Instagram again, it would be fine. But Twitter, I know that it's a a particular kind of cesspool so I can get myself inoculated. Plus, I don't really have that many followers. I just follow the people that I'm interested in. So it doesn't really matter. Although I tweet a lot, a lot for not having very many followers. (laughs) And and then LinkedIn, I love and engaging, but I'm also kind of employed by them. So there's that. But Facebook is different because Facebook has become what I've noticed relative to these other platforms and particularly particularly, uh, relative to LinkedIn. Facebook has become even more of a silo of sameness than I always knew it to be. And I don't really know what to think about it or what to do with it because on one hand, I I love seeing my friends and their rites of passage and their trips as long as people don't do the same thing all the time, you know, just like only pictures of their kids or only pictures of their fabulous trips. I mean, you know, then you go, okay, whatever. But I love seeing those kinds of things. I don't really need to see like the same common uh, political posts in Wall Street Journal, New York Times, because I read them. But sometimes an interesting thing pops in and I, you know, so I get value from Facebook. There's no question. What about those ones where they say you need to read through all of this to show me that you're a good friend? And oh, okay. as long as they don't personally send me a chain mail, well, which case I don't care because I don't even have messenger on my phone. So then it just sits there. But as long as they don't personally send me chain mail, I try to think what would make someone post something like that? And I, I loneliness. So or drunkenness. So either one, I really, I'm going to have empathy for that. So I just kind of scroll down and go, okay. I mean, I don't know why someone would, but the first few times I was pissed, I was like, I just spent all this time reading something that I thought was you, that you wrote. And I was like, wow, I didn't know you're such a good writer only to come to the bottom where if you don't copy this, you're going to burn in hell or something. I don't like those. Do you like those? those? Send those. God, no, I hate those. I read them all the way through just like you. And then I'm like, God, (laughs) down damn it (laughs) but this leads me to the curiosity bite and oh i love your chomp was so (laughs) realistic i thought you'd chomp right into the microphone and this curiosity bite i feel is so salient right now are you ready set how a bite how do you know how you should feel Oh, wow. How do you know how 
you should. According to whom? Yeah. According to whom? How do you know how you should feel? Should. You mean like should according to whom? Yeah. The, I'm not going to tell you. That's part, of, that's part of the dissection of the bite. You just took the first scalpel to the bite. Well, proud. Yes. Proud I am of you. I, yeah. How do you know? No. Okay. How do I know how I should feel? So I don't know how I should feel about a lot of things. Are you saying like right now with all that's going on in this crazy effed up world? Or are you saying in general? Both. But I, right now I would say I don't know how I should feel about whether I should start to go out and whether I should go to work because oh. of the coronavirus. Right. I don't know how I should feel about racism as a white woman right now. All of these things that are going on right now, I, I'm definitely having a lot more conversation about how I should feel. And it's, it's a hard one. And again, according to whom? I have been told how I should feel in the last six months, probably more than any other time in my life. Thank you, social media. You have to feel this way or you have to act this way or you should be you should be vulnerable and feel this should act the way you feel. But we don't want you to act this way. So if you feel that way, do you act that way or not? <laughs> OK, one thing I do have to say, huh? silence is violence. I, I that just throws me for a loop. I don't get that one. Is silence violence when you are a white supremacist? Uh, yeah, exactly. This is where the context of how you should feel the should is so vital. I really think it's a complicated time because you really hit the nail on the head. According to whom? According, if it's just and and how do I know how you should feel? Because really the bite is, how do you know how you should feel? So if you said, then we could be like, never mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's important to notice how you're feeling and then get curious about where that feeling is coming from. Because that's the only way you should really, that you can really dissect your feelings. And feelings and emotions are often used interchangeably. Do you ever think about feelings and emotions being the same? Yes. A lot of times you have an emotion that causes the feelers to come out. The feelers. <laughs> the feelers come out, and that's what gives you the bad emotion. <laughs> feeling violated. <laughs> emotions are more or less complex reactions to the bot that the body has to certain stimuli. And when we're afraid of something, our hearts begin to race, our mouths become dry, our skin can lose the blood and our muscles contract. So this emotional reaction occurs automatically and unconsciously. And feelings occur after we become aware in our brain that a physical change has taken place. So that's what's interesting about uh, what about emotion, which could have no record. I mean, we could potentially say that emotion isn't we're not even cognizant of emotion. It's we're cognizant of feel. They're just so basically, so basically what you just said mm -hmm. was a more intelligent way of saying you have emotions and then that brings out the feelers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why it's like, you're so right. You're so right. You're a neuroscientist. 
Our brain constantly receives signals from our body. So it registers what's going on. And then this process is the signals in these neural maps, which then they compile in the somatosensory uh, centers. And then the feelings occur when the maps are read. And then that becomes apparent that those emotional changes have been recorded. They're like little snapshots of our physical state. I think that's so interesting. Fascinating. Okay, so my question to you is, how can you feel without contrast? For example, back to the curiosity bite of how do you know how you should feel? What if you had nothing to compare it to? Yeah. Like you thought you should feel happy but you really didn't know how other people, how happy other people are. How would you know how you should feel about how happy you are? Without comparison? Yeah. That would be very difficult. You just be the only one. You wouldn't know if that is the right amount of happiness. Boy, that would probably do away with a lot of people's depression. Assuming that the emotions the chemical reactions would change as a result of that. I think it would. How do you know if you could, if you did not have contrast or you did? Okay, let's, okay, let's put the contrast back in. But when I ask you, how do you know how you should feel? You have to identify how you would know without any comparison and then what that comparison shows you. All right, ready? So you just have to pick a comparison is what you're saying, right? Well, okay, so for example, I said, how do you know how, you, how happy you are? Well, you were like, well, if I never saw anyone else being happy, then how would I know how happy? So then you would say the answer to how do you know how you should feel about how happy you are would be other people. Right. I know you have a list, but this is called the double Watusi, where I put it. A <laughs> the double Watusi. How do you know? How do you feel? How do you know how you should feel rather about how much you value love? Hmm. You compare it to the past, maybe? Hmm, that's interesting. Like your childhood, uh, previous experiences. I don't know. That's just a stab in the dark. What about, what do you think? I think that I have thought more about love as a concept at the same time as I have been learning more about meditation. Because loving kindness practice is mindfulness and that gets into Vipassana and then that kind of is in the kind of mindfulness that I'm trying to do. And so the idea of love and how to value that has been, I've given more thought to it than I ever have before. I would just use it. I don't know. I'm so, so now I don't know how much I value it because how do I know how I feel about how much I value it? Because I used to just not even think about it. I would have thought I value it just fine. I feel like it's fine. I feel less sure about that. Interesting. What about how you look? How do you know how you should feel about how you look? The media. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Compare it to the media. Right. How do you know how you should feel about your marriage? Other people's marriage. Really? Or is it more about... Oh, wait. No, let me think about it. I, that was a quick answer. Um, I think that... I would compare it to my views on what I think marriage should be, which came from, yeah, other people's marriage. Yep. Now you're back to other yep, people's yep, marriage. Yep, 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 yep. I had, to, I had to give it some thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
it's funny because at first your answer I did not think was good. And then as you were talking, and then I thought there was another answer that was better. Then as you were talking through it, I realized your answer was good because I was thinking like the past, the pa- your marriage in the past versus how do you know how you should feel about your marriage? But I actually don't think that's as good an answer at all, really. So it's very important, friends, to share your complaints about your marriage. So it keeps the way your friends feel about their marriage in the right spot. <laughs> or worse. <laughs> or, but be honest. No, if they were honest about their marriage, if everyone was honest about their marriage, like they completely had some kind of truth serum and they had to spill out every single thing about their marriage with no ramification because everyone would forget in 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, everyone forget what you said. That during those 10 minutes, people would be blown away at all of the problems that they thought were so problematic in the, all of the issues that were so problematic in their own lives. Think about it. Yeah. I mean, if people were on. Or maybe not. I mean, it could be a lot worse. That's my point. Oh, 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 oh. That's my point. They, it's not like, no, if people were honest, it wouldn't be. Every morning we wake up and I just think, how can you sleep without getting bad breath? I mean, no, (laughs) say that. And so what I'm saying is you would start to realize, huh, I guess I should feel a little bit better about my marriage. I mean, most people, unless, you know, I mean, if honest, I'm talking about honest. Unless you're, you know, abused or something. You would learn about a lot of other people who were being abused that you thought had a lovely marriage. I mean, it might be like, oh, I'm getting out of here, whatever. But I'm just saying it would blow your mind so much. So it's hard when you're using other people as a barometer to help you figure out how you should feel when you know that you're looking at a false measurement. Right. Would you, all right, before you do your list, I have a couple of questions. Okie doke. Very important. Should we design machines that have feelings? Because... Why would we? I don't know. What's the motivation to have machines that have feelings? You could you can answer that. Is it because then we have a barometer to tell us how we should feel about things? Well, I had never really thought that, but I mean that's that kind that's weird, but it's all <laughs> Like, huh, that's interesting. So that's kind of weird and interesting. But there's some really low-hanging fruit. Because, I mean, you went to, like, high level. I'm talking about low-hanging fruit. Like, you might want companionship. Or you might want to have, you know, someone help the elderly. Or, I mean, I'm just talking about, like, the you went to, like, full philosophical, whoa. And I, I thought that's what we were doing. I know. But you left me back in the, you know, the literal dirt. <laughs> But one of the reasons that people abuse, I mean, people abuse robots, I mean, on Westworld, but also in real life, like really one robot company suggested that they might be using them as an anger management tool. (laughs) And and so a lot of educators are saying that children should be taught how to interact with robots at a very early age by giving the machine a name and anger. And they also suggest they scientists developmental psychologists say that the angry responses to videos of robot abuse because people will post like robots being abused and people get pissed and it shows that people have empathy for machines or at least compassion i would say and find (laughs) empathy that could be interesting if you were the pro you could have empathy anyway i don't know they could have sympathy for the machines that are getting abused on these videos 
And that could become a common thing where people decide in society that this is not acceptable to abuse these robots. It makes me think, what was that movie where uh, they adopted a, a kid, but it was a robot? And then like then the kid never grew up and so they like abandoned the kid in some pile of, and he was like mommy mommy the oh, robot if i i was i mean even thinking about it now breaks my heart did it look like a human kid or? yes oh yes. okay but what if it looked more like you know like domo arigato <laughs> like r2 or c3po or what if, what if it looked like more like a you know less like a person i I think I would still feel it'd be Wally. <laughs> Poor little Wally. I would have total compassion for uh, if it wasn't for Wally, because I really hated Wally. And I, could, I loved I Wally. I could have abused Wally in a New York minute. <laughs> Boom. I started to say that the developmental psychologists actually suggest that kids who abuse robots, they see similar behaviors in kids that abuse animals. I was just going to say, I bet it's the same as when they abuse animals. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I feel about any of this, nor do I know how I should feel about any of this. Exactly. Are you ready for my list? I am. So you just thought I was going to say I am. I am so <laughs> ready. How do you know that you should feel that you're ready? for this list. <laughs> well, how do I know that? How do I know how I should? <laughs> I have some thoughts and concepts that I want to know how you know how you should feel about. Oh, okay. I'll okay. Okay. So let me just clarify, because I always want to make sure I understand. Right. You're going to give some thought, concept, idea, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I have to say how I know I should feel about it. Correct. Okay. This is a very uh, confusing curiosity bite. Curiosity bite, yeah. Because it's it's actually a brain friction one because you people and the reason is now I have to say is the idea of how we feel is so familiar to us that it's very easy for our brains to revert on this curiosity bite to how do you feel, and so we are so used to a seeing how we feel, how we feel, that because this curiosity bite does not ask how you feel, it says, how do you know how you should feel? It creates cognitive friction every time we say it. Yeah, that's cool. I love this podcast. <laughs> I'm subscribe <laughs> and write a good review. <laughs> okay, here we go. There should be a reality show where flat earthers have to find the edge of the world. How do I know I should feel about that? Yes. Actually, I know how I should feel. Happy. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. It just makes me happy. <laughs> Maybe because it's just the thought of it and them going on those, you know, long journey reality shows, looking and looking and looking and and it would be that superiority that I would have, you know, in my mind. And it makes me think I would probably be having a cocktail. <laughs> and then I fantasize that maybe I'd be next to you and we'd be watching it because we talked about it on this podcast. So I would feel happy. Okay. Okay. And then some people might feel that they should feel angry or frustrated. Frustrated because how can there be such people that believe that? Or why would a network even give the time oh. of day to, yeah you know. that's a little deeper 
I should have. <laughs> I've been very shallow today. <laughs> I love it. It's like we're switching places or something. <laughs> okay, next one. George Orwell predicted cameras watching us in our homes, but he didn't predict that we would buy and install them ourselves. How do I know? First, I'm going to start with how do I know how I should feel about George Orwell? Yeah. I feel that he is clearly, from this one data point, overrated as a futurist. Don't you think? <laughs> yes. But he sure knows his pigs and goats and sheep. He does indeed. How do I know how I should feel about having cameras and other listening devices and other monitoring devices in my house? That's right. a bigger issue. I have a really hard time knowing how I should feel. I think I use, I don't use other people as much, but I certainly probably use other people and what they are allowing in their house a little bit because I might see that it makes their lives easier or they've got some automatic delivery thing from their Alexa or the, you know, something. But for the most part, I don't think most people are giving enough thought to it. So I have that a little bit of superiority in my brain about like, I'm not going to look at other people and see what they do, but it's there. I mean, it's not zero. Well, I, I always think about how you ask about if you could put a chip in your body that gives health insurance companies information about your health, and then you would benefit from better health insurance or benefits from giving up that information. Would you do it? And that I never know exactly how I should feel about that. Let me say this. Let me Let me push a little further on that. The argument for this ship that I've always used is you would essentially get free or extremely affordable, like $100 a year, platinum level, whatever, bronze level health care in exchange for your data. And that little chip would be in your body. But if you think about it, putting an Alexa in your home that it listens to you 24-7, possibly Alexa would be more in tune with your feelings, but the chip would be more in tune with your emotions in this particular case. So- mm. I'm not sure that I, why we pause when it's going to be something inside of us when you're seeing probably so much more that we're allowing for Alexa or to have our lights so that we can turn it on with our phones or we, or we hook our fitness app up so that it knows how much we eat and what we do and whatever, but it's exogenous. It's outside our bodies. So I guess it's interesting because do I care more about people knowing about my feelings or my emotions? I don't know. I don't know how we should know how we should feel. I don't either. Okay. Next one. Eight hours of drinking is binge drinking. Mm. Eight hours of TV is binge watching. Eight hours of sleep is barely enough sleep. How do I know how I should feel? just a statement. There's three things there. How do I know I should feel? I know I should feel, I feel, I, I, I know how I should feel based on when people put things together in groups that you should relate them together. So that's how I know I should feel that I should relate them together because that's usually otherwise, why would you be telling me three random things and they all have eight. So I'm trying to make sense of things. I know how I should feel because I'm trying, I should be pattern making because that's what we're meant to do. So that's how I know I should feel about that a little bit. Now, how do I know how I should feel about the actual things? Now we're getting fun. <laughs> I know how I should feel about eight hours of drinking because 
I know what it does to your body if you try to consume all of that alcohol in eight minutes. So it's relative. I know I should feel relative to what? Okay, so that's how I, that's how I should know how I should feel. Relative to what? That's kind of a cheat of the answer, but don't tell them about us. No, but I mean, I get it. It's like, if you think about if you spread out your drinking over eight hours, that's probably better than quickly wolfing it down. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make this proclamation. This is my New Year's resolution because I want to pretend that this year just started over. It's going to end <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I'm done with this year. So this is my New Year's resolution for tomorrow which is from where the sun now stands, I will say wolf it down no more forever. I have said that in the past, but when I heard Stephen say it the other day <laughs> after we were like ordering this one time that we finally ordered out in this amazing restaurant, multi-course takeout thing, I was looking forward to for two weeks. And Stephen said, oh, I have a ham radio meeting. I'll, I'll, I'll just wolf it down. Okay, that's not really fair because he didn't really say it on that one, but it felt like that. And so, and so, cause if he's listening, which he probably isn't, <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. What were we talking about? <laughs> What's next on your list? <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Only one sock goes missing because if both disappeared, you wouldn't notice. How do you know how you should feel about that particular statement? Yeah. See, now you, that you get, you're really, you're getting kind of hardcore in your, in your list. You used to be more guiding. So for example, if you, would, <laughs> how do you know how you should feel about having only one sock? Then that's a different question. But how do you know how you should feel about this statement? It's very, it leaves me with a lot more work to do mentally. And that is tricky. And I know what you're doing and I don't, advise <laughs> I don't appreciate it. First of all, the statement is false. I know how I should feel about that statement because I'm judging it based on true or false. I think a statement like that isn't like the parallel 888. This is a statement true or false because you go in your mind, how do I feel? Well, I feel like when I have killer socks, I would remember if none came out of the dryer. But I also think that if that happened, we would have more domestic violence. <laughs> because if I, one of my kids, for example, might get blamed if the new cool socks went in the dryer and they were visiting and it came, and Barkley, yes, I'm speaking to you, <laughs> and both socks disappeared. If you're listening. If and you're probably not. Probably not. <laughs> okay, this is going downhill fast. <laughs> 25 years ago, seeing a toddler use technology was seen as a stroke of genius. Today, it is largely met with thoughts of a lack of parenting. How do I know what I should how I should feel about that statement? I know I should feel about it by starting with true and false. It's interesting how you some of the thoughts or some of your ideas or some of your their statements and I come at them either I need to make patterns or I need to see if it's true or false. A lot of these statements I know how I should feel about them based on what my first job is in my mind. Am I pattern making? Am I thinking true or false? 
that's that's really what's directing my initial feelings about which is interesting that you're saying that because this is how we can be manipulated oh for sure by, yeah you know and there'll be a statement and we will do those initial things like pattern making and come with that first initial response based on how we've been manipulated by how it's being asked. Right. It's not a traditional framing, but it really did frame it when you put the 888, for example. So clearly you put those together. I wasn't thinking true or false. I was trying to make sense of the pattern first. This particular one, because my kids, we had computers and stuff, but we didn't have iPhones and iPads when my kids were really little. And it was very easy for me to say, we're watching TV on the weekends growing up. It's easy for me to be sanctimonious and say that statement is true, but then I start judging the statement. How do I know how I should feel? Do I look good or bad in the eyes of that statement? That's how one way. So I judge, like, do I look good or bad in the eyes of that statement? Now, I started to answer, how do I feel about kids with technology versus whatever. And that's not, again, I went, started going to how I feel about that. I had to backtrack because that's not the question. I could, I should answer this question by never saying how I actually feel about it. How do you know how you should feel about it? You have to share how I feel to address the curiosity bite. I would judge it based on probably how I would come out in the story. And I'd be okay if I came out unfavorably, but it would start with me. Interesting that you said that, but I was thinking it would depend on how, how your child ended up. Like, did your child go into a technology type of career? And then you would feel good about the fact that you exposed your child to all that technology. I'm just showing my work. I see. Yeah. I would be like, what did I do as a parent? And how do I feel about my kids? And therefore, now do I... How do I feel about that statement? Same exact thing. Yeah. Last one. Kids endlessly asking why are actually applying Socratic method and stimulating adults to think critically. Hmm. How do I know how I should feel? I mean, I know immediately how I should feel. I mean, I know immediately how I do feel. How do I know that, though? I know that I should feel that anything that addresses curiosity so blatantly, I should feel that whatever side of that comment is, I should support the side that celebrates curiosity, regardless of the downside, because otherwise I'd be a hypocrite. But sometimes you would, should feel like your kid should shut up because he's interrupting and won't stop asking. And uh, you're in the middle of a conversation with a bunch of adults and this kid is like, butting into maybe areas he shouldn't be. I should think about both things. So I should feel that because I value curiosity and because what you said is absolutely right, I should know how I feel by assessing whether it's too many whys or not. Like how curious were you? And yeah. therefore, and were you being disrespectful in your being curious? Were you being disrespectful, interrupting a conversation or, you know, or worse than that? Mom, look, I'm going to turn upside down and put my hands and put my feet outside the pool. I'm going to do a handstand in the pool. Mom, look. That's not anything with curiosity, though. No, it's just something that I have to say. <laughs> exactly. That's really it. And that leads me to the sort of fact. Awesome. A study out of PIU surveyed 18,000 people and found that when they asked people, 
if you had to take a truth serum, allowing your emotions to be revealed or your feelings, your true feelings to be revealed, 87% chose one over the other. Which one was it? You have to guess the sort of fact, and I'm going to tell you if you're right or wrong. The sort of fact answer is feelings. Wrong. 87% said that they would rather have their true emotions than their true feelings revealed. Courtesy of Sword Effect. Thanks for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's curiosity bite. Two, in order to avoid missing curiosity bitten conversations, subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things Applied Curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to ApplyCuriosityLab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.